Good evening, Canes fans, and welcome to the 11th episode of The Rod, The Podcast, conveniently titled The Jingle, which I think you guys will all enjoy a little later. My name is Jordan Betts, and I'll be your host as always. And of course, I am joined by my co-host, Mike May. How are we doing tonight, Mike? We're doing great. Jordan Betts is the best, if anybody <laughs> was wondering. Um, a few outtakes before the beginning where I literally forgot my own name. Um, but that's a little awkward and we'll move past it expeditiously because I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> um, so tonight, uh, obviously we're going to spend a little time talking, uh, about the Kotkaniemi, um, offer sheet. And as we predicted, uh, he is now a member of the Carolina Hurricanes as the Montreal Canadians did not match, uh, late Saturday afternoon. Mike, I know you shared your thoughts last week. Has, has your, you know, perception of the move, the offer sheet and the subsequent, um, non-matching by Montreal have, have things ch- shifted in the past, you know, five or six days? No, it was, it was what we expected to happen. It was the logical, the logical path. And you look at it and obviously the point of a real offer sheet if you're actually trying to get the player instead of just put an organization into a crappy situation is to offer a contract that's overvalued. And the Canes did that. We obviously offered Kakaniemi more than he was worth on a one year understanding that that gave you the best opportunity to get the player. Yeah. I, as we said last week, um, you know, not to take a victory lap and kind of came to fruition just how we predicted, but it just makes a ton of sense, and I don't subscribe to the, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of discourse in Montreal and in other non-Carolina markets that, oh, haha, the Canes traded their Calder finalist goalie. They didn't sign their top five defenseman in the league all to overpay and give draft assets for this young, proven commodity that, although he was highly drafted, has been pretty bad. And it's like, these things don't really exist in a vacuum. Because when you view it that way, you don't talk about how the Canes brought in and forget the off the ice stuff, how they brought in D'Angelo to replace the on ice production of Dougie Hamilton. And it's very plausible. Um, It doesn't talk about how you brought in two proven goalies uh, in Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta to solidify the goalie position. And hey, like with Ned... They had him for, you know, five years. Like they, they felt like they knew what he was and they're not going to overvalue five or 25, 30 games of elite performance. So like I said, these things don't exist in a vacuum. The Canes saw this as an opportunity to acquire uh, a highly drafted, skilled center. And I know Don Waddell said he'll start in the left wing, just as kind of we talked about last week, which makes too much sense. But it's a great move um, for the long-term health of the franchise, I believe, because I, I categorize it as adding a another core member uh, after you lost Dougie. I think the real question for me now, and it stems back to some previous comments Don Waddell had made after the Nadelkovic trade. He said, this is a win-now team, a team that's trying to win the Stanley Cup. Is bringing in KK... A win now move, Mike. You can look at it two ways. There's option A where he comes to Carolina. He gets all the bad juju off his back from being mishandled in terms of development to being in a 
in a fan base that is ultra aggressive and hockey crazed in a sense where it can be overbearing. And even though they're hockey crazed, it doesn't necessarily mean they're hockey intelligent just because you have a sport there for a long time and you can be entitled to whatever you you want to say it doesn't necessarily mean the backlash is intelligent the most popular team in the nfl is the dallas cowboys that's that's, that's what i'll say there yep. yep that's all you need to know so it's a change of scenery he gets to come and play with fellow countrymen that have had success here there is a legitimate chance that he takes a step next year and becomes a, a second line left winger if that happens then it's absolutely a win now and win later move. If and I'm I'm saying this because there's a good chance that he still needs a lot of development. So there's a, a really strong possibility that option two is what it is, where he's a guy that is gonna play third line minutes. All right. He strengthens your top nine. He doesn't make you amazingly better. I think he's better, he makes your team better from the jump. Does it make you Stanley Cup better alone? Probably not if he's at where I think he's at. He's going to need a little more time, um, and we'll see. It's it's tough to tell right now because we're going to have to see how much work he actually needs. Yeah, I think we're both of the belief that Carolina will do things, uh, at least the, well, they'll do things the right way and allow you know him to play with equally talented, like-minded people they maybe see the game the way he does, which can unlock some of that offensive upside. I, I think we're going to get into the development portion of this uh, in turtleneck time a little later. Um, but I, I think the thing that I really want to focus on as far as it pertains to KK in this season alone, you know, just focusing on, on where we're at. And I don't, I agree with you. I, I don't think this makes them a better team on paper right now. That doesn't make it a, a bad move. And, I know something that, that you've stressed is this doesn't mean they're done. You know, I think we both probably think they're done until uh, at least, you know, they get into the season. Uh, but you have time to change your roster really until the trade deadline. And even after that, you can make, you know, some you know waiver moves and things of that nature. But we have a long window here to see how this team is going to look on the ice. An interesting comment that Dom Waddell made uh, in his post-offer sheet press conference um, was that the team felt that they were a top nine forward away. Correct, yeah. To me, I and I know you agree, we both felt they were a top six forward away. And that's where like a, a Vladimir Tarasenko, you know, injuries aside, comes to mind. You know, we, we thought about, we we played the numbers and, you know, prayed for maybe a Jack Eichel. That was never going to happen. I don't think Kakaniemi is the, you know, he's, he's getting paid 6.1. We all know that's an overplay pay. He's not supposed to be a 6.1 player, million dollar player, and he's not a savior. I think he's a guy that's going to be defensively responsible. He's not going to hurt you on that end. I just think for this move to make sense for a win now team, He's got to produce as a second line winger before the end of the year. By the time they get to the playoffs, he's got to be firing at all cylinders. And I think really the only way to get that to happen is is to play him um, with high skilled guys. I, I'd like him most on the a second line with a Trocheck and an HS. But I I'm of the belief um, that he'll probably start 
and a defensive-minded role with Stahl and Faust on the third line and maybe work his way into the second unit. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of line shuffling because there's just a lot of new faces um, for Rod to, to work with. When I, when I think about the whole win now idea, you also have to take into account what is the organization's idea of win now. Do they mean, do they actually mean that they think they're a Stanley Cup winning team now? Or do they think they're a team that is going to get far in the playoffs, but they're not at Stanley Cup mode yet? If you were to ask, and it's tough because at the end of the day, there's a handful of teams that have the opportunity to win a cup. Carolina, for the last year now, we'll see this year, was a team that had a chance to win a cup, but then you watch what happened last year, and they weren't, they were close to Tampa Bay. Sure, but, but there, there was still a clear there's gap. A, yeah, there's um, a gap there. Yeah, so. it's something we, we've gone in depth before, especially in that episode where we broke down the organizational philosophy. I question that as well because I think my belief is that they believe win now is just getting to the playoffs. Obviously, with the Svetch signing, they have cap space. I mean, a beautiful cap situation moving forward uh, with the majority of their core outside of Natchez really locked up You know, for the foreseeable future. I think they are okay with just getting to the dance because I believe at that point, as analytically driven as they are, they understand that the margin becomes smaller and on a smaller sample size, the um, analytical advantages that you can you know, garner over an 82-game season are less and therefore more unpredictable. I think they just want to get there and see, you know, consistently being in position to, you know, have an opportunity to chase the cup. I think you've made the point previously that their moves at the trade deadline are going to indicate if they believe in being a Stanley Cup contender. And that's where I push back on it because I felt this year as the Central Division champion, it should have been a go-in for a year. In a weird year where you had the opportunity, um, you know, the playoffs weren't the same. And for them, that actually meant it was tougher because they ran into Tampa in the second round. Uh, But I thought it was a year there you could have pushed your chips to the table because Dougie Hamilton was in in essence your trade deadline addition, right? Because he, you know, he was your trade because you didn't move him out. Um, I think they're content. I think they believe they're in a good spot. I believe they're in a better spot than they were before the offer sheet. Um, It's a super solid unit. I'm just not sure uh, they've done anything to move themselves uh, back away from the periphery contenders into that top group where I believe Tampa, Vegas, and Colorado exist. Yeah, so when I look at the roster and think about it, I see a team that I think is ultra deep. Um, they have they have a great top line. It's not one of the best in the league, but it's great. It's definitely top 10, first, one of the first lines in the league, in my opinion, being Svetch, Ajo, and Turbo, right? And then you look at it and you really are running – a solid second line and a, you almost have a 2A and a 2B at this point in in some fashion and then honestly your fourth line is could be a lot of teams third lines probably so they have forward depth I like the pairings that could be available defensively and we'll talk about that more later and we're just going to have to see what we can get out of the goalies I it's a lot of question marks the organization seems super keen on a lot of these people 
So they've put their trust in them. I don't think I don't think there's many second choices in here. I think when you look at the roster, I don't really see a lot of guys that they're like, oh, we had to settle for that, right? I think if anybody, maybe Kokaniemi is the guy you maybe settled on. With that being said, he's a 21-year-old player who still has a potential to develop into a better player. It's not like you're getting a reclamation project at age 25 or 26, right? You're getting it at 21, which makes it more manageable. And maybe you didn't get Brandon Saad. Maybe you didn't get Tarasenko. And I don't think that saga is over yet. I think Tarasenko is going to be moved closer to the trade deadline because he's going to have to come back, show he's healthy, play well for him to ultimately be traded. So sure. There's there's a lot of options on the table, like you mentioned. We'll see what they do with their trade deadline moves. But the reality is you don't really want to shake up the first line. The second line looks really solid. So if you're adding, like you and I have talked about the whole time, I don't really think it makes sense to add anywhere outside of that second line. Yeah, and before we jump into the next segment because I think you you know kind of set us up perfectly to do so um, by talking about a few things KK's development and I think we need to go through and I know we did it last week but I think it it, it's a you know valuable exercise to once again kind of talk through where we see especially the forward lines Um, and from this point uh, I think it's time to go to turtleneck time I alluded to it earlier we have a special jingle produced by our outstanding producer, Steven. Uh, let it rip, buddy. The best time to be the Canes GM is all the time. One with a collar, turtleneck, what's on his mind? It's turtleneck time. <laughs> That is unbelievable. Oh, oh my um, God. That makes me cry every time he, I hear uh, produced that for us a, a few weeks ago, and we've just been sitting on it waiting for uh, our next turtleneck time, and um, we, we just died laughing the first time we heard it. We hope you guys enjoyed it. What a tune. If, you can, if you can pick out what it's from, extra, ba- we'll send you a Rod the Bobcast hat to the first person. That's a great idea. First yep. person that can... Pick Hit us out up where on the Twitter and let us from. know where it's from. Yep. We'll send you a Rod the Bobcast hat. Okay, as the jingle uh, mentioned, it's turtleneck time. So we're, we're going to sit in the big boy chair and, and play Don Waddell. Uh, coming off maybe the most uh, alpha male move probably in his tenure as a GM in the NHL uh, with the offer sheet of KK and, and subsequent, you know, you know his his lines, you know, mimicking Bergevin and all that stuff. It's great. We, we, we rehashed it all last week. But now as you look at your roster and you feel like you've probably solidified your top nine, I, I think step one in this conversation is we have to talk about what the Canes need to do to maximize their investment in KK. And for me, it's how are they going to develop him? Mike, you're Don Modell. You've already said you're going to start him on the wing. What's that look like to you? So the first thing to developing him is having cap space, right? To to actually play him. And that is kind of the first step is putting Jake Gardner on LTIR. Great point. We didn't mention that earlier. Yep. So he's 
going to have hip and back surgery and is going to be out for the season. That frees up that cap space. That solves that problem. So we're not in a cap situation as a result of the signing. If if I'm Don Waddell and I'm taking part in roster conversations with Rod Brendamore and Tom Dundon and you're talking about where is he going to maximize his potential, I think you'd love to see him on the left wing with Trocek and Natchez, right? That's where he's going to have the most offensive upside. Now, you know, letting Stahl guide him and maybe show him the ropes a little bit in a different setting and say, hey, you go do you on offense. I'm going to anchor you. I'm a, we're going to make sure we play smart. It's a good chance he starts out on that left wing with Stahl and Jesper Faust. And you're not going to get the offensive production, is which which is where I'm kind of I'm kind of hot and cold on it because you took him from Montreal where he was thrown on 56 different line combinations or whatever that number was in his career. Didn't really play with elite offensive talent very often, and you have an opportunity to play him with two elite offensive talents in Trocheck and Nature. So I would like to see that, but. He's going to have to earn that. It's not going to be handed to him. We've seen that with how Roddy develops players, with Aho, with Natchez, with Svech. It's all been consistent in that way, right? Yeah, and I, I think that's a terrific point because I think that's something that makes Carolina unique. And guys respect Rod um, because, one, he's been there and done everything in the league. He, he's played every role. Um, you know, he's been the first line center captain and he's been a fourth liner. So guys respect that. And his voice obviously carries a ton of weight in the room, uh, not just for the success he has as a player, but obviously now what he's done as a coach. However, seeing sitting here as, as I'm now currently Don Waddell, I think my pitch to Rod would be. We know KK, if Montreal did one thing right with his development is they forced him to learn the game defensively. The metrics show that he is a competent, above average defensive forward. I think that was kind of the, that's the difference between Svech, Aho, and Natchez. They were so offensive forward and they needed to learn, you know, the other side of the game. So if I'm sitting here and I'm Don and I'm going to Rod, it's like, hey, we've made this investment in this guy. I think the best thing for his development is, is we got to unlock his offensive potential. And I'm not sure we do that by, I'm not going to say anchoring, but anchoring him with Stahl. But by playing him with Jordan Stahl, that is going to be a defensive-minded line, a shutdown line. It's also going to have you going against a lot of top-pairing lines, especially at home when you have second change. So maybe play him on the second line. Hell, I mean, heck, maybe you even have him with Ajo and Turbo at times. Yeah. Um, because I think to me that the top six, Svech, Aho, Turbo, KK, Trocek, Natchez, those six represent a different talent level. Nino, Stahl, Faust can give you necessary secondary scoring. But if this team's going to hit its potential and be a win now team and maximize their investment in KK, you can't just stick him in a defensive role. We, Unlike those other guys, as I mentioned, we know he can do this. We now need to see the confidence in his game the skill and playing with other light-minded, talented players. 
Absolutely. I think throughout the season, we'll see him on the top three lines. I think there's no doubt about that. Just when things don't go well and Rod likes to shuffle the deck every now and then, um, I could definitely see those flips being made. I'm, I just like, like you said, and like we both mentioned, you want to see him play with the offensive skill. With that being said, if Stahl is up against the offensive matchup, then maybe their defensive metrics are a little bit lower. So he might be able to find better matchups when he's in the offensive zone playing against those lines. It's not always true, but it can be true. So there will be scenarios where he'll probably be against lesser defensive talent as a result. So it's it's interesting. And when you dissect it and look at the lineup, I think you can see a lot of fluctuation between the top two lines, depending on if things are going or not. And I think you can even see a little bit of that bleed into the third line. I think Stahl and Foster are going to be together a lot. Um, I don't really see that changing too much unless Foss is not playing well and Martin Oak's playing well or something along those lines. There, There's flexibility in the roster. There's a lot of talent in the roster. But on the Kakaniemi topic, I really do want to see him playing with Trocek and Natchez. I think you at least have to give him 10 to 12 games there. I would think to start the season and see if he's able to elevate his game. Those guys are going to give him the opportunity. And then you have potentially two offensive lines that are excelling. So, you know, another thing that the rod we know really enjoys is having multiple guys on a line that can take faceoffs. Yep. And that's why I think slotting KK with Trocek just makes you know, so much well, all sense. All three of them can. All three can take faceoffs, yeah, but much. he's the lefty. Yep. No, because Trocek and Natchez are righties. He's yep. the lefty there. I, I think on the third line, that's less of an issue because Stahl is such a yeah. you know faceoff ace that yep. not that Trocek is not, but Stahl, you know, he's on a different level. Um, but to me, that subtle element that he can be your you know power side lefty faceoff guy with that line. To get possession is huge. I would love to see him get a ton of offensive zone starts. It's almost like you need to put him in a position to, um, you know, you know, an incubator. We we're going to facilitate offensive opportunities yeah. for you. And, and so I wouldn't be shocked, like I said, if if he does play on the top line but, and have an all fin line, I, yeah. just opportunities to to make him feel comfortable here. Yeah. Um, because. If he clicks, if he becomes the the guy that was drafted third overall, well, not only do you have a core member, but this yeah. team is now elevated to a completely different level. For sure. Uh, and if if I'm Don, these are like the the small nuanced things that that I'm talking to Rod about in hopes yeah. that, hey, when we built this team, you know, we provide you with the things you ask for. Well, this was our vision for it too. And yep. I think they do a great job of collaborating. So I'm sure they're, they're having these discussions and, you know, I, as Don Waddell, obviously wanted to bring KK in. Tom Dundon obviously played a huge role in it, but it yeah. was not merely to, you know, no. get back at Montreal. This was a hockey move. And I think to maximize the player, these are the things that the team needs to do. For sure. I think the top line for me is a little bit tougher just because I think Svech has earned that spot. 
And I think the eight-year contract makes it even more important that he's got to he's he's put his faith in the organization. I mean, I think it's a super team-friendly deal. I mean, number one, you got term, and you got a AAV below eight million, so they're gonna have. Mike, to, that was some of your. I mean, Don, that was some of your yeah, best work. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I, so I think that I think that they're gonna have a very strong. Um, uh, I don't even know how to really word it, but I just can't see them going away from Svech on the top line very frequently. They're going to feel like they owe it to him somewhat. A little, you trust me, I'll trust you situation maybe. Sure, and as much as I've kind of paired this conversation that they need to do everything to get KK going, well, maybe more importantly you is making sure Svech yep. gets back on the superstar trajectory because... I don't think anybody doubts that Svech has the highest ceiling on the team. And and the thing that I've struggled with in the past is he's kind of been the guy that they've yo-yoed a little bit. You know, there's rumors he was frustrated playing with Stahl. He wants to play with Ajo and Turbo. Yeah, let him. I think you just got to unleash him now. And and I think you feel good enough about your top nine where you got to plug and play him with your best players because honestly, as much as we're talking about KK, Svetch making the jump is the transcendent aspect of this team. Absolutely. If he becomes one of the top, you know, five to ten wingers in the league, now you are a Stanley Cup contender. Absolutely. You know, if he jumps in the top five, okay. You know, if he he pots forty and has a ninety point season, we're talking about something completely different here, and mm-hmm. he has that ability to do it. Um, so as much as we've focus this conversation on the development of Kak and Niemi. We got to remember that they have other players like Svech and Natchez and heck Aho and Turbo are, are still young as well. Uh, more so Aho, of course, but these are all guys that are still developing. And I, I think the beauty of the addition of KK is that now your core can all grow together. They play yeah. similar styles and, and now you just have your vision. And I think Mike slash Don, you've done a wonderful job in doing that as as much of a hard time as I know I've given the organization for some of the decisions. Now I can see the the, the vision and, yeah. and I and I I like where it's at because I think it can win short and long term. Absolutely. And I mean, just to touch on some of the points you made, like your first line turbo is good at everything. Like the dude could play defense in the NHL probably, right? And he can take face offs. So you have Aho and Turbo that b- both can take faceoffs there. Kakaniemi, Trocek, Natchez all can take faceoffs, right? Stahl, like you said, he's going to anchor that line. You don't need another faceoff guy. And then your fourth line is literally pretty much all centers if you play Lorenz, Stepan, and Martinuk. All three of those guys can take uh, faceoffs. I'm not totally sure about Levo, but I don't think I don't think he fits that bill as much. But I might be wrong. But I mean, you look at a team that. You got centers everywhere. You've got high skill players, people that are starting to reach their peak or are in the prime development stage, right? And then you got guys that are already there. You got Trocek, who's already there. You've got Turbo, who's already probably at his peak. I mean, Stahl is probably coming down towards probably no, the you just need stall, less productive. Not even to sustain what he did last year, but to if not fall sniffs, off drastically. If he yeah. sniffs last year, that's massive. So I look at it and I think, yes, there are question marks, but there is a lot of potential. And we haven't even started to talk about the defense really yet. 
You want to go there now? Yeah, we might as well. So I think we're fairly confident uh, that it'll be Slavin D'Angelo, with D'Angelo being the pseudo-Hamilton replacement. And we've talked about if D'Angelo can provide 80% of the offense that Dougie did, which we think is a very plausible number, um, and not be a liability on defense. You know, I know he grades out analytically as a significantly worse defender than Dougie Hamilton. I think Jacob Slabin can augment a lot of that. Probably. Um, he just needs to be average. And we know what we're going to get out of the Brady Shea-Brett Pesci pairing. I wouldn't break them up. I'd be too concerned about playing Shea with D'Angelo or Bear. I'd leave those two together. Yeah. You have two lockdown defensemen, Slavin on the first pair, Pesci on the second pair. And I really liked how Shea developed um, in his first full season with the team a year yeah. ago. And then the third pairing, you know, Ian Cole and Ethan Bear, I think we feel is a dramatic upgrade Absolutely. to what they had last year. Uh, and that, you know, not really a slight to, to Jake Bean or the plethora of other guys that got minutes on that third pairing, but it's just, these two guys should be solid and, and bear especially has the, the upside to, to grow into even more yep. uh, as a young right shot D man. Any, any additional thoughts there? Cause I think we feel pretty good about this group as a whole. And yeah. obviously Dougie's a big subst- subtraction, but I think it's more balanced pairings one through three. Absolutely. This team is going to play fast offensive hockey. That's what they're, that's what they're built to do. They're going to defend well, but they're going to have their whole system built around pressure and and scoring, and they have the players to do it, right? You can you can expect guys like Natchez and guys like Svech to take a step forward next year. I think that's a fair assumption. I think they're both at that point in their career. And you look at the defensive side, and if we're just going to talk hockey, D'Angelo – has the biggest point to prove in the NHL probably. You have two guys with Kotkaniemi and D'Angelo that have massive statements to make on the ice, right? Kotkaniemi wants to prove he's not a bust. D'Angelo wants to prove that he's a good hockey player that's got his crap together. You got guys that have stuff to prove, and that matters. And then you surround that with talent. You surround it with three good defensive pairings. And you put Anderson and Ranta, and if they can get towards the peak of their performance, then you have two really good goalies. They stay healthy. You probably wash out there, right? So Yeah, I, I think it's inevitable, and we mentioned this after they signed Anderson that and Ranta, even though we liked that move and felt like the goalie position was an upgrade, in all likelihood, the goalie numbers are going to regress. Last year was kind of an outlier season. Um not that we didn't believe in Ned or, you know, Peter or Reimer and what those guys produced. Um, I, I think it's probably the an outlier season as far as like expected goals, you know, saves above expected, things of that nature. Um, but for me, the goalie position is not so much about game one through eighty two. It's about what happens after Absolutely. that. And and I know Frederick Anderson, you know, struggled in the playoffs with Toronto and that whole entire organization has been a dumpster fire when they've gotten to the playoffs. But I think we can feel confident that with the six guys in front of him, and if, you know, he goes down or doesn't play well, Auntie Ranta's been elite in, in spurts. He just can't stay healthy. But with those six guys in front of the the two veteran goalies they have now, you 
five guys. What? What? Five guys in front of him, right? Oh no, <laughs> I was referring to the six defensemen. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I was sorry, like, sorry. No, I was you're, just you're, like, you're talking, yeah. talking I know there's five, five guys on the ice. I'm, I'm just talking about the six Got it. I was, just, playing. I, was, yeah, yeah, I, was I was like, losing you there. You're, you're flashing me a five. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Okay. Wait, they don't play with seven on the ice? No. <laughs> the six the six defensemen Got in it. front of them. Um, I think you have to feel extremely confident um, that that team, this team is probably going to give up less grade A opportunities play more solid and to your point play with a lot more speed and I think that's going to translate uh, up the ice to the forwards who with the addition of KK can play at an even faster tempo yeah. I think it's going to be an exceptionally fun team to watch um, and, and I'm confident in the two-way ability of, of the forward group as well they're just so deep um, one through 12 that top nine I, I'd patch it up with anybody and if the first line develops continues to grow, especially if Svetch makes the jump to the elite category. Um, I think that could go from a, a you know borderline top 10 line to one of the best in the entire league. Sure. We have a lot to look forward to. I'm being a little more positive tonight. I'm pretty yeah. fired up about the signing because I just believe in investing in good young players. For sure. And we'll have to... There, I've heard so much about Kakaniemi's skating and the fact that it needs to improve and it's kind of been like one of his biggest knocks and I'm curious to see him live and to see what it actually looks like. If it's his edge work, is it his top end speed? So I'm curious to see what that looks like and if it's a restriction to his game at all or anything. So we'll just have to wait for training camp and preseason and all that to kind of get a, a visual on that um, to see what that looks like. And then, like you said, obviously there we can be cautiously optimistic about this lineup because we know that at the end of the day, the trade deadline is still around. There will be opportunities to add if necessary. Has the organization made some very aggressive statements with their player management? For sure. And they're going to have to prove it. And we're going to have to see what happens with the product on the ice. They've made aggressive statements, you know, and we lot, haven't liked everything. Yeah. And, and it's polarizing and you know, people around the league think we've made a ton of terrible decisions, right? So we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah. One thing that I'll say is we kind of wane out here of um, turtleneck time. The Canes moves, and I, I know I referenced this earlier, don't exist in a vacuum. It's all within the lexicon of team building. And I, I think that's why it's really easy to overreact to, you know, one move. Because as you said, that can be polarizing or divisive, trading Ned, et cetera. Well, well now as we, you know, have the ability of hindsight and we can look back over the past couple of months and all the things we've talked about. I think we feel better sitting here than we did a month ago. Yeah. And so this will probably be our last turtleneck time until after training camp before the season begins. And we're kind of going to look to do it every six weeks or so probably look to do it after the season starts, uh, Halloween, uh, first of the year and then right before the trade deadline, I know you guys want to hear that jingle as many times as you can, but that's kind of our tentative plan for now. Um, But unless you have any final thoughts, I I think we'd like to jump into one final segment, uh, which I think we've been talking about for a little bit, which I think would be pretty fun. What do you think? Yeah, and if you're missing the jingle, just know that you can always go back to episode 11 and play it over and over again. That's why it's titled The Jingle, so you don't forget. Okay, so our last segment here tonight... um, 
just because it's the off season and things are probably going to calm down here for a little bit. And we only have one more episode before Mike has to take a little hiatus for an important event. Um, Mike, let's talk about the Carolina Hurricanes, retired numbers, and any former Canes players that are potentially up for the distinction. Um, give me your give me an overview of who has currently been retired, and then the candidates that we think could be up for nomination. We'll talk through those guys and we'll call it a night. Who is currently retired and should be retired or just who's well, retired? Who is retired? We can go into that discussion a little later. So we have Glenn Wesley retired, right? Oh, that's the one you're starting with. Yeah, Number we're just two. Start yep. there, oh. Get it out of the way. Move on from it. Ronnie Francis, Rob Rendemore. So I, I think before we go into the potential future nominees, I to me, and this is no slight to Glenn Wesley. I think, you know, good player with the organization for a long time, super solid. I think it's a, it's a low bar for entry. I'm of the belief that franchise icons and guys that are potentially hall of fame players or hall of fame caliber players are ones that that shouldn't exactly be like the echelon you have to be on. But in my mind, you need to be at the top of a lot of, you know, organizational you know, record books, having played a minimum of 10 years or so, I think is something you mentioned. I think that's a good point. I just think you need to associate the player with the team. You don't necessarily have to have won a cup, but you need to be on, have been on a bunch of really good teams over an elongated period and been a premier player in the league. So Glenn Wesley checks boxes for a number of those categories. To me, I think it's being a premier player in the league and not necessarily being the point producer to stand out in like a team record book, obviously an important cog to the organization, but I wouldn't necessarily have retired number two. I think Ron Francis, all time great first captain or not first captain, but um, first premier free agent signing for the team after they moved to Raleigh uh, when he came back from the Penguins, obviously drafted by Hartford what more do you need to say? Elite player, elite lettuce guys, just a no brainer. Um, and one of the, just the best guys in the history of the league and, and captain the team to a cup finals appearance. Lastly, uh, the namesake of our podcast, Rod Brindabore, uh, Mr. Hurricane himself, uh, number 17. Uh, and a guy we'll talk about in a little bit, Cam Ward. Uh, sorry, but that should have been Rod's con Smythe. And that's just my opinion and probably what's keeping him out of the Hall of Fame right now. But a guy that has, you know, two Selkies, captained the team to the cup championship, um, special guy, universally respected, obvious no brainer. Any other additions to those three guys? Additional comments? No, I mean, how deep do we want to, how deep no, do we want to go? I think go, th right? those guys are in. I, I, yeah. You can maybe add, would you add any additional stipulations to where your threshold for entry would be? So the thing for me with it is obviously, I'm not a huge fan of retiring numbers. Like I think it has to be, it has to be a home run, no brainer. Because like you said, you you can't get into the habit of just retiring a guy that was loyal to the franchise. Like, Yeah, I, I think if the question of should a number be retired even have like a semblance of doubt, 
Yeah. It shouldn't be a thing. If it's not unanimous, then... Yes. Then, you yeah. know, you, you ask Johnny Kane's fan in the stands, should we retire Mike May's number? And you maybe not all Kane's fans. You can't... Uh, <laughs> maybe not everyone. Well, <laughs> you know... No, ra- ra- yeah, rational fans. Yeah. You know, I I know there's people that shoot. Yeah, shoot. <laughs> I've missed that PNC. I can't wait to get back here uh, in a little over a month. But yeah, you make you make valid points about not asking. Maybe every but all <laughs> hey, all the listeners of the podcast, they tell you right. Oh, if you're listening to the podcast, yeah, you already got an excellent hockey IQ. So as <laughs> as we um move away from the the three gentlemen that are already retired. Are there any names that stand out to you that you, you know, you hear in discussion or, you know, that you would consider, do you have a list? I think there are two that can be considered. I don't think it necessarily means they should be, but I think it's worth the conversation. Right. And if it's going off my metric of if it's even, slightly in doubt then don't do it then these guys probably wouldn't be in but they're really really close one of them being really close one of them being like a little bit closer and we'll start with the closer one being probably Eric Stahl in my opinion um 100 point scorer right the year they won the cup yep yep wins the cup long-term captain I mean he went through high draft pick homegrown big time and He's got the stats, right? He's got the pedigree. He had the loyalty piece, right? Um, uh, A part of me kind of wished we had made like a run to get him back and bring him in on like the fourth line or even maybe the third line, depending on on how Rod wanted to utilize him. I love Eric. He was great for the franchise. The highs were awesome and the lows were the lows, but that's any organization. He's up there. I think you could make an argument for him, certainly. Another one being Cam well, Ward. Yeah, I, I, yeah, to me, and just real quick, yeah. Eric, Eric is a no-doubter for me. A guy that was highly drafted, captain of the team, highest score on your cup champion, you know, cup finals winning team. Um, yeah, there were some dark years that the team faded under his captaincy. I, I, I know there are portions of the, you know, fan base that attribute that to him and his leadership. I think that was more organizational mismanagement. Uh, it feels like as time has elapsed, those feelings have abated a little bit. There was a strong push that people wanted Eric back for one final run at it. Yeah, I'm glad he got to another cup final uh, and obviously losing with Montreal to uh, the lightning. It's just kind of a no brainer. He sits at a lot of your you know team record books, checks every box. In my opinion, he probably will not get into the NHL hall of fame, but he's close enough uh, to merit, you know, all-star status and, and a perennial, you know, elite player. Uh, to me, having 12 up in the rafters is a no-brainer when he's done. Yep, for sure. Who's the I next think, guy? I think he's got a good argument. The next guy would would probably be Cam Ward that you'd consider. Um, the longevity with the Hurricanes, the win totals, the Stanley Cup, the Conn Smythe. He's got a lot going for him in that regard. He had down years, but I mean, how good was the team in front of him when he had down years? So it's, you know, it's that part makes it tough, but there's no doubt that when you look at the numbers, he has numbers that you could make an argument for. Sure. 
you touched on it. I, I think the argument with Cam Ward is, and although we kind of rebuffed this notion earlier, I think goalies are a little unique. Um, his biggest calling card is longevity. Um, Absolutely. As I mentioned, I don't think he should have won the Conn Smythe. I think that was more of a, a narrative-driven award that year. Uh, I think it should have gone to Roddy or, heck, maybe even Eric. But it's a different story. Rod should have that, but whatever. I digress. Yeah. Um, there's just not a ton of goalies that have won 300 games with one franchise. And in those dark years, he actually had some really good years. I, I know there are people that blame him for the performance. And yeah, he, he was not great at all times. But when you have a guy that sticks around that long, and this is a point you made before we started recording, you just don't have a ton of goalies come along, especially with this franchise. Yeah. Um, so he stands alone you know, more so than maybe any of the other guys, he is on such a different pedestal compared to his peers at the position that for being the consmite winner on a cup team for winning 300 games, you know, he's still around the team. I think Cam Ward probably gets in. And if we're being honest, um, Tom Dundon is never one to shy away from an opportunity to make a little money. I, I guarantee, you know, on nights where you retire numbers, they're automatic sellouts. I, I think it's just a way to get good vibes and people in the building. Not that that's the reason why you should ever retire a number, but to me, he's on the periphery enough and he stands alone compared to his contemporaries at the position uh, that he really is the only goalie in franchise history that merits any semblance of consideration. And for that, to me, he's in. Obviously not an NHL Hall of Famer, but a Canes Hall of Famer. Yeah, and you can have the discussion, what does 318 wins as a goalie equate to in points, right? Is that 900 points? Like, what is it 600 points? Like, how do you value goalie wins compared to goals and assists, right? Like, when you're looking at points totals for a player's career, like, where do you where do you put 318 wins in that regard, He's a guy that, you know, holds franchise records for what games played, wins, winning percentage, shutouts, saves, like he's got there is all no, of that. There is no yeah. equal. Yeah. So in he's put separation in that regard and where we kind of stray away from comparing them him to Wesley because we do think they're on a little bit of a different level in regard to like one being a goalie and then one being a defensive defenseman for the most part. Right. Mm -hmm. And I understand rewarding tenure and part of me wonders, was there a, Hey, stay in Carolina, Glenn Wesley, and we'll retire your number when you're done. Like, cause you know, it's just one of those ones that's a little bit odd and maybe we're just Missing. Maybe we were a little young. I, yeah, I was I young. Know. I yeah. was young when his career started. I mean, he was with Hartford before sure. the hey. hurricane. So, uh, Glenn, if you're listening and you want to come on the pod and defend yourself, I think we'd love it. But oh, yeah. um, always here for the discussion, and maybe we can get you know educated a little bit. But hard hitting journalism, right? Absolutely. Here. Um, you know, shoot your shot. Um, Cam Ward, though, hey, no, no real equal. Uh, another homegrown guy, first round pick, played his whole career here. I love the how you equated wins and everything to points. I, I think it's just so far above and beyond that there is no equal. And, and for me, that, that kind of just does it. And you might have one 
if you're lucky, you have one goalie every decade. I mean, this franchise has been around over 25 years now, and um, there, there's only one. So yeah. if you're retiring one goalie number every you know quarter century, that's not going to be too many. <laughs> and yeah. I think you'd be lucky to do that. Yeah. Um, any other names on your list that you would consider? I, I, I know people want to talk. For me, at this, I'll quickly dismiss one. I, I Obviously, ambassador for the team, had some great moments. Uh, but too injury plagued to me, that's Eric Cole. I don't even think yeah. it's, it's up for debate. That doesn't mean he's not a Kane's ledger or anything. It's just the injuries, you know, yeah. to me. So I think the last name on my list, and you may have more is, uh, the captain, Justin Williams, the yeah. guy to, to use your, your word, galvanize the team upon his return, obviously scores the empty netter in 06, um, to clinch the finals for the Canes guy that has, you know, three Stanley Cup rings, a Conn Smythe, um, is known as Mr. Game 7. Fortunately, a lot of these accolades occurred outside of Carolina. Yeah, that's the biggest knock. doesn't probably. have the point totals to, despite the, you know, outstanding playoff performance, doesn't have the point totals to necessitate a uh, Hall of Fame bid as a player in his own right. Um, he, to me, he's Hall of Very Good. And just because the, you know, there were so many teams involved, you know, spends a large part of his uh, career in LA uh, and a handful of others. It's, he's a Canes legend and he brought, he was this era's Rod Brindamore. He brought um, a mindset and, you know, leadership to the room on a team that was kind of rudderless. Yeah, culture change. Culture changer. And, and yeah. I don't think you can understate those guys. And, Maybe that's the intrinsic value that, hey, Tom Dundon's the owner. He knows Justin Williams is beloved. They wanted to bring him back. He's special. And maybe that's something that transcends the record book and what could get him lifted to the rafters. Um, I think another funny thing is, which number would you put up there? Yeah. <laughs> um, but to me, I think it's just another guy that um, obviously deserves you know multiple pages in, in the history of the Carolina Hurricanes yeah. book if you know to use that metaphor if one of those existed but not a guy that we're probably going to see 11 or 14 in the rafters of PNC no and we love I mean we love him. love like he is an all-time great and just in just the way he approaches life and the game and he's charismatic and, and he just you know he carries himself the right way he's got he's, the it he's got yeah he's got the it factor and the biggest knock on retiring his number would probably be tenure for me right with the canes yeah he's the opposite of kind of the other guys we talked yeah about. so he is a guy where if he had spent all or most of his career with the Hurricanes. I don't even think you question. I think he's like a even like take out the the L. Say he instead of going to L. A. He's in Carolina his entire he's career. No brainer. No brainer. Yeah. And no brainer. Even with the one cup and that's he he is that special of a person to this franchise. Just in juxtaposition to Wesley or Cam Ward, the lack of longevity hurts his candidacy. A absolutely and. I believe that you can add to tenure by being involved in the organization post playing career. So it's not a door I would close as he's involved with the Hurricanes. Let's see how that role progresses and how active that role is. Um, it might just be one of those titles that's a, hey, we don't have salary cap space, so 
we're just going to hire you to this this role, right? Yeah, I, Mike, yeah. I I think that's terrific because I just think that makes a ton of sense. You know, although he didn't have the longevity um, on the ice with the team that would merit you know such a distinction, he can make that up in another. And I, I don't think I've ever framed it that way or considered it. As with Brenda Moore, I think when you, when people outside of this area in this market uh, think of the Carolina Hurricanes, there's two players that are synonymous with the team, and that's Rod Brenda Moore and Justin Williams. He he embodies everything that this organization stands for. He wants to be a Hurricane. He's back with the organization in, in some capacity. I don't think it happens, but. If there was a way to, you know, manipulate the system and find a loophole, maybe it is service to the organization. You retire him as a player, but it's not just your performance; it's the contributions to the franchise. And hey, I, I think we need to run this up the flagpole to Tom Dundon and, and make this one happen. Yeah, for sure. We got to get Tom Dundon on the phone. I don't know. We kind of a little. Well, I've been kind of harsh. Yeah, I think he's all right with that. I think he maybe. I hope he respect it. I mean, I think he would. Um. I don't think he's soft. No, he's definitely not soft. Uh, man to man, I, 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 he, he's a guy that I, I have no doubt. Um, that interview might be a little intimidating, honestly. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm kind of <laughs> soft. Um, but yeah, as we said about Glenn Wesley, uh, Tom Dunn, if you're listening, come on the podcast. And when we called you Jerry Jones, we meant it from a we loving place. We meant that lovingly. Absolutely. Ever since it's uh, the billionaire what, boy club. Ever since episode eight, where I, I leaned in on the organization, I, I've been very pro. Uh, we've been on a strict upward trajectory, and hey, we promise not to be mouthpieces for the team. But when they're doing things we like, we're going to say that too. Yep. So, Mike, any last words? Any other players you'd like to add? I think I think that's a good you know fun good list. Yeah. Off season discussion. Uh, and enjoyed breaking down um, the KK offer sheet, uh, giving our final thoughts. Uh, turtleneck time with the outstanding jingle uh, and then talking Kane's uh, retired numbers with you guys. Appreciate you sticking with us. Mike, tell them how they can keep up with the podcast. Make sure to click those bell notifications on whatever you are listening on right now so that every time an episode comes out, you get notified and it pops up on your homepage. As always, thanks for tuning in and be on the lookout for more Kane's content.